Thank you so much for joining in to today's podcast from Caleb Perkins Ministry. We pray that today's podcast will be uplifting and encouraging in your walk with the Lord. Now here's today's podcast. What's going on, everybody? Back in the studio again today with Sir Trenton of Gill. Back. Back. Trenton is back. Guess who's back? Trenton's back. No. Trenton's back, got a C4, and Air J drink. Oh, no. <laughs> we are not sponsored by C4 Energy Drinks, though I would accept it. I would be like, uh, absolutely, let's go. <laughs> uh, just kidding, Mom. I, I don't have that, and yeah, I do. Absolutely. He does. He is not <laughs> drinking 200 milligrams of caffeine right now. He would not ever do nope, that. No, wouldn't ever. <laughs> not even hypothetically. <laughs> uh, anyway... <laughs> So this is going to be uh, kind of a part two. Uh, we're still talking about uh, dehumanizing God, uh, as far as dehumanizing God as humanizing, right? When when people use that word dehumanizing to an individual, it's yeah. seen as in a negative light. So every time I say it, I kind of am like, eh, is that right? And it's like, yes, you don't want to humanize God. But dehumanize him, but not dehumanize like we Jesus, are dehumanized, right? yeah. as in like the AI robots dehumanized. Yeah, it's very odd in our English language. Yeah, I wish we had more words to describe it, like in the Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and then we might have a better understanding of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm limited by my Appalachian accent and my uh, limited ability to have knowledge in my three-pound brain, which we talked over in, for, in part one. But <laughs> there we go. We got to work with what we got. You know, here we are. Here we are, Trenton, Hi. just working with what we got. Just. Two two guys here with energy drinks. This, I mean, this is how we do it, or you know? or not with energy <laughs> drinks. <laughs> so uh, today I want to read and talk about uh, the prodigal son from the aspect of um, this is a uh, a parable in Luke chapter fifteen. Uh, Jesus is speaking about the prodigal son that ends up going. People who are familiar with the faith, you've probably read this, uh, you know, a lot of times. I always encourage people, keep reading, keep reading, keep, you know, <laughs> repetition is really good, especially in scripture, because you'll read it for like the 900th time and see something completely different in it because it is eternal, it is powerful, it is absolute, and it is awesome. So definitely encourage people to go in and read some of those stories and not just take for granted that you know exactly what it's saying and the totality of everything that it's saying. But <clears throat> today we want to talk about how we humanize God and how that is seen as a negative thing because we think God is like us and we think God is would do the same things we would do yeah. when in Scripture it clearly states that He would not do that. It states that He does things that are what? Outside of our own understanding, outside of our own knowledge, outside of our own capacity to be able to reason and grasp it. That's why he is the eternal, holy, just judge. That is why he is the one who is able to express divine love onto humanity. And we can't even really comprehend those things. And we talked about on the last episode of how just describing things like thunder and lightning and or wind, right? These things, or faith. <laughs> Explaining these things in English terms and words uh, give it a very uh, shallow, I guess, definition to versus what it is. It's like, what is it in all of your five senses? 
what does it look like? And I don't know. Yeah, we're just trying to paint a clearer picture of what God is, who God is towards individuals, and try to get them out of that old religious model that has been given that God's angry and hates you and yeah. just wants to crush you and he wants to throw people into hell and that's what he loves doing. Like he's just some, you know, diabolical individual that's up there wanting to crush humanity. And I'm like, if that's the case, then why did he send Jesus? Yeah. Why not just, you know, there had to be a change. And that's what was clearly sent when Christ came. He said, hey, this ain't what I was planning on. So we're going to change things up. And it really shocked the religious community. It shocked all of them because they thought, oh, no, I thought we were doing everything right. No, <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> the difficulty of describing stuff and yeah. uh, painting the picture. Well, I think that's uh, how God stepped down, met us where we were. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to paint the picture for you. And that's why he used parables. That's yes. why you get like mm-hmm. this parable of the prodigal son. Right. Yeah, and you know, and and there's so many people that have even even scholars have said, well, why did Jesus talk in parables? And and they came to the conclusions like his revelations were just so deep, and they could only be explained in this way. I was like, no, he's actually trying to reach them and communicate with them with things they understand, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, if he wanted to talk about things they couldn't understand, he would have defined seraphim, you know. And it's like, well, they've never seen a seraphim nor anything like that, so it's not really a mystery. But they have seen a father, and they have seen a son, and they have seen and heard about inheritances, yeah. and they know about this situation, and it would have been common in their day for them to know somebody that was going through the same situation. Absolutely. Yeah, he wasn't trying to wow them. I yeah. mean, they like, even... whoa, this is deep, man. <laughs> well, they <laughs> yeah. even got lost when he was talking about yeast, and they were yeah. like, Brad? What? <laughs> like, the stuff we eat? <laughs> He's yes. like, okay, time for another parable. Yep. <laughs> we're going to talk about the leaven. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, and that's why he he gave us parables, and they're very powerful, especially when we look at them in different lenses, and we can sit there and say, okay, well, what's the symbolism behind each character that's in here, and how is that applicable to us today? Um, so just starting here, I'm going to read Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 11, and it says, uh, then he said, this is Jesus speaking, it's in red. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And now, and not many days later, sorry, after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. This is where we get the prodigal son thing, because it was prodigal living. So... Yeah, 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Which is very interesting, right? Like he's feeding pigs, and just kind of side note here. So he's feeding the swine, he's feeding the pigs, and with the stuff that he is feeding to the pigs, he's sitting there thinking, man, I would like to have eaten this. Which honestly tells you of his integrity and character of the son. Because even though he gave it, 
and he was he was doing that, he didn't he didn't take it. You know, he could have stole it. He could have ate it himself. You know, yeah. I know a bunch of good old boys that are like, "You're real hungry. Eat one of them pigs, man. Let's go barbecue." <laughs> right? But he didn't do that. Right? He's trying to do things honorably and with integrity. Verse seventeen. But when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger?" He's like, "Yo, I'm dying here, and the servants in my dad's house eat better than me and would have plenty, and I'm starving here, feeding pigs." Right. So eighteen, I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you." And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And <clears throat> he arose and came to his to his father. But he, when he was still a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this was, for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they be, they began to be merry. Verse 24. So I want to stop there real quick. There's a bunch of things to unpack in this um in this in this parable and Jesus is giving this parable to the people that they could have a glimpse and understanding yeah. of the father's heart towards them. Yeah. So in this in this parable the father is God and the son is all of humanity, right? And we have, you know, lived prodigal living and we have you know gone in through great waste and done all these different things and it, it and it talks about going away being separate from the father but then coming back and returning thinking that we are not worthy enough to be his son but the whole time he's been a son yeah. like he never lost his sonship status nope and the father was always eager to see him and rejoiced when he got there which tells you one, the mentality of the son, he didn't really know the father. No, he didn't really know the father. Uh, if he knew the father, he wouldn't have planned his entire speech. Yeah, I'm, he did. I'm going to be a working, servant. I'm going to work it up. That's what he's going to accept me as. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He definitely did not expect the robe, the ring, the sandals, nor the fatted calf. No. <laughs> or the hug, or the kiss, or the embrace. He got showered with all these gifts, all of this, you know... Just divine expressions of love. That's what these things are, right? They're expressions of love and of provision. And Jesus is trying to say that the Father is here to express the same provision and love that the pro that the Father showed to the prodigal it is the same way that the Father wants to show that to us. Yeah. He fell short of his depiction, his portrayal of the loving Father. And his portrayal was actually not even that bad. He was like, he'll still accept me, but I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm a servant now, and yeah. I'm not a son. But some people even go even more uh, further away from the accuracy of who God is, and they're like, 
Oh, I, I can't go back. He will crush me. Yeah. Yeah. He'll beat me all the way down to the neighbor's house. Right. And that's what they view God as because they put him in human eyes and they try to say, oh, well, I've betrayed him. I failed him. I'm done. And the son did feel like that. He said, I sinned against heaven and against you, and I am not worthy to be called your son. And he felt like that. Did he have just right to feel like that? Yeah, he did mess up. Absolutely. But what he did not account for was the—he did not account for what his father was really feeling towards him. Yeah. And which tells you that there was a lack of experience of the deepness of who the father was. He did not know that deepness. He did not know that intimate level. And it reminds me of the Greek word genosko, right? That intimate knowledge. It means know in English. And it's the same word that Mary said, that I do not know a man. And It's that genosko, the intimate knowledge of. Yeah. And that the same word that the Apostle Paul used when he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that's that genosko. And it was it's the intimate knowledge that the, the the prodigal lacked of his father. He knew him from just what he saw and what he experienced in his life, but he lacked on the intimate level of knowing how he really felt about his son. Yes. And he, he towards his son, he felt, no, it's all right, man. Robe, ring, sandals, fatted calf, we're having a party. You were dead. Now you're alive. I'm so excited for you, right? And and it's like, uh, honestly, the the wasted spending that he used was irrelevant. He did not care. He didn't bring it back up. Oh, now you owe me, and I want interest. Right. You know, and that's what we think God does. We think God. Oh, well, yeah, I failed God, but he'll he'll do this. This is the punishment and the sacrifice. I need to beat myself, whip myself, crush myself. I deserve this mess, and he'll add interest to to it, compounding interest, so that I will always be in servitude and debt to him. The father never does that to the son. And you know what the exciting part about it is that he actually got to learn about yeah, his father. Absolutely. He got a deeper, intimate relationship. He knew him better, knew him more. And, you know, that reminds me, Caleb, uh, and I, I, was, I told you this earlier, but it was back in 2015. Um, the Holy Spirit really just compelled me. Uh, and highlighted the fact that I did not know my parents. Yeah. Um, I didn't know them. Like, I knew them as mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Uh, it. It was very superficial level of who they are. Yeah. And I was compelled to, to know them uh, on a deeper level. And so I created a whole questionnaire of interview questions, and uh, I called them one at a time. And I, I set out to interview them, and I was trying to discover who they really are. Yeah. Um, you know, asking my mom all this stuff, and that's the interesting part is going through all their details and stuff. They shared with me stuff that I never knew before. Yeah. And it didn't make me think less of them. It actually uh, made our relationship deeper because, mm-hmm. for one, I guess it showed that I actually cared to know who they are, and mm-hmm. two— they got to share with me who they are. Yeah. Um, well, and there's that transparency and that openness, right? And yeah. that is huge. Huge. That, that's one of the things that uh, the church is lacking huge in it, it, because they try to go to the superficial. Like, oh, I know you. Like, I know you, Trenton. But then now, like, through our relationship, 
that intimate knowledge, I'm like, oh, no, nah, he don't like pickles. You know, I know him like <laughs> this. I was like, oh, you do that? No, nah, he ain't going to like that. But he'll like this. You know what I mean? And, yes. And through that, ex- uh, the intimate experience that you get with one another, that's how you you grow the relationship and you make it worth something more. Like with your parents, you're like, yeah, I knew them. And they would even, even in the world, they would say, oh, well, you're their son, so obviously you have an intimate relationship with them, but it was like, no, 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 no. Like, even on a deeper level. Like, I want to know why they know this. I want to know about their past. Like, who are they? You know? Yeah. I mean, because they are people. They're yeah. individuals. They have stories. They have experiences mm-hmm. and all this stuff that you don't even get to know about as a kid because, well, they're trying to protect you from it all. Um, right. And trying to raise you without you having a skewed image of who they are or who they are not. But going deeper with knowing who they are, it made your relationship with them stronger. And it gave more of an openness to where it was like, now you're like, you're because before you were meeting them as a child and you knew them as a child. Now you're coming at them as a man, wanting to understand them as uh, for who they are. Yes. And I think it was your wife, Abby, who asked me, um, well, how in the same sense, like, how does a Christian know God. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the Word of God, the Bible, mm-hmm. is the foundation. Like, He has already told us who He is, mm-hmm. but that's like when your parents kind of, you know, tell you who they are, but then you go into a deeper pursuit yeah. of who they really are. Oh, that's are. good. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, yeah. So, like, you'll come across this thing, like you just read in The Prodigal Son, mm-hmm. where it, it showcases this, and then you go, well, why? Why? Uh, and then you dig deeper. You yeah. pursue, you seek, you knock, you find. And then you start to learn these things. And life experiences does that. Yeah. Where we go through certain things. I know for uh, <laughs> for sure, me, that's how I learned who, who God really is. I mean, the Bible told me a lot. Mm-hmm. But when the Lord cared enough to seek me out, even though I did not care to be found by him, did not care to find him. I, I, I was an atheist. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wanted to know if he was true, if mm-hmm. he was real. But when you, when you see and experience, like the visions he shows you and the things he takes you through yeah. and all this stuff, mm-hmm. then you realize for yourself, wow, so I'm, I'm not the servant you're going to punish. I'm not... Yeah. I'm not the the guy that you're gonna crash down and crush and and don't care about. Like you actually have been watching me the whole time. And that's that gnosko, man. That's that deep, intimate knowledge that you're like, now I know. And that doesn't give you permission to go and you know wander and spin things and be crazy and whatever else. Yeah. But it is when you come to him, you get to learn more about who he is and that intimate place. And I, you know what? I, I want to read this too. I'm going to continue reading 25 and through, let's go to 31. So 25 to 31. This is the other aspect of the older son who did not go and have prodigal spending, but is actually in a worse place than the prodigal is. Yeah. He's been there the whole time. So let's highlight this. So in 25, it says, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. 
And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What? So let's let's see what's going on between this relationship. Yeah, well, obviously he didn't know the father either. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did not. Yeah. Both of these sons are absent of that intimate knowledge of who their dad is. Yeah. You know? In 29. So he answered and said to his father, How many years have I been serving you? I, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might... Be merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are all you have always been with me, and are and that all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad that your brother, who was dead and is alive again, and was lost, and is now found. Yeah. And dude, I'm telling you this, here's the thing, that older brother, he's sitting there saying, well, dad, you never done anything like this for me, and he's like, it's all yours already. Like, when did you want to do that? Which tells you, he's never had a conversation with his dad about it. Right. Because he's always wanted to do this. He could have took a young goat, or a fatted calf, or whatever, and killed it, and had a party, and he's like, dude, I've never stopped you from having a party. Like, just go and have it. Like, why are you so angry at your brother? He was dead, now he's alive. You can't rejoice with him. Parallel this, so you've got that religious person who's always been raised up in church, and they sit there and they see the the drug addict come in off the street, and the Lord touches them, and they're angry at them because they're on fire for the Lord, and they're seeing the lost saved. This person's been in the church and been, you know, baptized in pickle juice, and they're sour. And they're like, God, why are you doing stuff for them? Why are they getting these opportunities? And God's like... You had it the whole time. You've yeah. never come to me. Gnosko, you've never known me intimately like that. You and know? that is the importance of knowing this word. Yes. Because you will seek, you will find, you will discover what pleases the Father, what displeases the Father, and then you'll start questioning like, well, why is that? Why is this? I want to know you more. Show me this. Show me that. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing about it. The the revelation that's in this parable was received by the people that heard it when Jesus spoke it. Mm. Like, when he gave it, they knew. They were like, okay, we have a young son who takes his inheritance and he leaves and he spends it. And he comes back thinking his dad's going to punish him and beat him, but he doesn't. Whoa, that's different. Why? Because in our culture... You would have got flogged for that. You would have, yeah, probably been banished from your family. Like they you don't wouldn't just have own family. Yeah, you know. And so then they're like, nope, the father's different. He's different. Okay. Then you get the aspect of the older brother who's always been there in the family, sees it, and here's the thing: it's relatable to him because they're like, well, if I was the older brother, and the younger brother did that, and he went and rejoiced, I'd be angry that he's doing all this stuff for him. Why not do that for me? And then he's like, you had the ability to do it the whole time and didn't know it. Like, the thing is, too, the Heavenly Father, he isn't short on resources. You ain't going to be able to tap God out of his goodness, out of his mercy, out of his holiness, out of his love. He is not something that he has divided himself up in a uh, portion or an amount. Yeah. He is almighty, all-powerful, and, and, 
and it's just it's just amazing to me how people feel like and I've heard this from people doing street evangelism I've done so much I you know God will never forgive me I was like first off you don't even forgive yourself like you don't even you don't even acknowledge that God even what he did on the cross for you is actually greater than the stuff that you thought you did yeah you know what I mean? Was it not good enough? Yeah, was so his blood ain't good enough to cover your sins? That's what you're telling Christ. Second, you don't know the yeah. Father. You don't know him. I'm <laughs> telling you. Be like, yeah, you can go and work with the pigs if you want to and starve to death. But I'm telling you, man, he's got a he's got a ring, he's got a robe, he's got sandals, he's got a party. <laughs> like and that and people older are like, brother? Oh, God's boring. I'm like, nah, bro. He's throwing a party. He's throwing a banquet. He's throwing a wedding yeah. feast. Like, people don't get that. I'm like, that's all through the Bible. <laughs> and that second brother, the one that got angry, examined his attitude about things. It was yeah. all uh works based. Yep. I served you. Yep. I did this. I've been I in the field. This. I ain't coming to your party. <laughs> um how many people are yeah. like that as Christians? You're like, that's God, true. I do this, I do that, I do this. Yeah. Um, why, why would you save that person? You know? Yeah. Ah. They're in my seat. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it's, it, it goes back to that. Like, can you not rejoice with your brother? Can you not be sad with your brother? Can you not build one another up? Can you not see that the father's express love towards both sons was always there? Like the father didn't change. He was the same the entire time. One one took what they what they had and they left. The other stayed there but didn't access it. Yeah. It's like, dude, think about the things you have access to as being a believer, being being led by the Holy Spirit and people don't operate in it. They don't access it. They don't ask seek or knock. They don't do that. Because one, either they have a heart towards God by humanizing him that says, "Nah, he don't want to talk to me." God doesn't want to speak to me. He's God, too busy. Yeah, he's too busy. He's got world peace and world hunger to try to solve. You know, he's going to talk to uh, one of the presidents or some great leader or something like that. He doesn't want to talk with me. See, now you think God is so small and puny that he can't talk to every single person in the world at one second, right. at one time. Are you kidding me? Now you're you're putting him in a in a box. In the corporate box. Yeah. Oh, I got to go to the secretary. I He's he's not yep. available. Uh, I got to leave a voicemail. <laughs> he's going to give me some, you know, uh, person from India that's going to talk to me and <laughs> ask me seventeen questions. No, God's not going to do that. You know what God's going to do? He's going to uh, directly speak to you and meet you on the level that he is at. Here's the thing: the older son was not coming to the party. What the father do? He came to him. Yeah. So in both instances, you see the father going to the sons. Yeah, and you see that there's no partiality. Yep. And he wants everybody to come into relationship, no yep. matter the situation. Mm-hmm. And you got the the first one who left, well, because there was no relationship. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have left. Right. But then the other one stayed, but there was no relationship. Yeah. You're just doing, just out of workspace, and but it wasn't it wasn't on that intimate level. It wasn't but on that relationship. They both learned something about the father that night. Yes, they did. Yep. But what did they do with it afterwards? It doesn't say. Yeah. But we can only imagine. Yeah, I would like to think that they both realized the severity in the story and, you know, went on to to have a better relationship with the Father and with each other. And with each other. Yep. 
Yes. Because I think that they, you know, without those things being said, it would have been the elephant in the room. And it would have been like, dude, you wasted all your money on all this stuff. And, and see, here's the thing. Else. If you, you know, don't deserve nothing. If yep. you know the father, yeah. you'll know that the father desired for those two to have a restored relationship. He wants unity. Yeah. So maybe even a part of that intention for the party was, I'm going to restore your relationship with you too. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much vastness to what God does and why God does it. Um, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's not from a human aspect. No. It's from a divine <laughs> aspect with agapeo love. And that's what the Father is expressing in the story, and I think that it impacted the audience when Jesus spoke it as much as it impacts us today as we are reading it, and that is the point of the Scriptures, is that what He was saying then, spoken there, is recorded for us to be able to partake now, to glean from it, to understand that, one, we shouldn't fall in the same trap, and two, we should go and be seeking and pursuing the Father too, who's also running towards us. Yeah. It's not like God's hiding himself from you. He's seeking you, and you're pursuing him. I promise you, God puts in way more effort than we do. Oh, way more. 100% of the time. Oh, you know what I mean? Take, for example, Peter. When yeah. he denied Jesus three times, right? Yeah. He could have just run away and said, he will never accept me again, yeah. but he knew the Lord. Yeah. And when he saw him on that seashore, yeah. he was like, I'm going to him. Yeah, I'm running. I'm jumping. Because I know he's not going to shove me away. Yeah. I kind of so. think of that Forrest Gump part where he like sees Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> and, and he's just running into the, ah, Lieutenant Dan, and then the boat like crashes into the thing. That's what I think of when I think of Peter seeing Jesus on the shore. He's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. But instead of the legs. Yes. Yeah. Jesus, what happened to what your scars? To you? <laughs> what happened to them, Jesus? <laughs> How are you today? You know, life's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Just go eat some fish here on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can eat fish like, with I this. Got, I got breakfast for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's so important. How well do you know the Father? Yeah. Because it all goes back to the beginning. The enemy is going to come to you and say, did God really say that? Yeah. Is that what God really would do? Is yeah. that how he really feels about you? And the enemy is going to try to say whatever they can to put your your focus, your path, in a different direction mm -hmm. uh, where you misunderstand or don't believe who the Father is. Yeah. You got to know. You got to. You you absolutely, it is vital for that. And, you know, here's the thing. People can't deceive you and talk you out of it once you've experienced and acknowledged him in that deeper, genosco, intimate level, right? Peter did not feel worthy to be able to go feed his lambs or teach his sheep or anything like that, and God restored him and brought full res restoration to him that he was like, okay, I'm, I am, yes, I did. I failed him, and he restored me, just like the prodigal. And I'm going to go forward and continue the things that he's called me into. No man could talk Peter out of that. I mean, they tried to. The Jews, they tried to beat them and imprison them and said, don't mention his name anymore. And then they let him go. And he's like, I'm going to preach Jesus. Why? You ain't stopping him. Wow. You can't stop him when, he's get, when he gets that authentic personal encounter. Do you think that prodigal would have left the father again? No. Not after that. Not nope. after a change like that. No. And think about it with the disciples and Jesus now. 
John was the only one that stayed. He was at the cross, and that's, you know, Jesus gave Mary, his mother, to John, yep. whatever. But he did not go ahead and be like, oh, y'all, y'all abandoned me. John Except was the John. only one to stay. Yeah, that's right. So, John, you're you're the blessed one because you've done right. <laughs> his All entire, these other ones, I'm beating them. <laughs> yeah. No, his entire goal was restoration. Wait, you didn't, so you you mean he didn't display great levels of wrath and judgment and persecution, like flames didn't come out of his eyeballs and like engulf Peter and crush him to death? Well, no, not at that time. Uh, <laughs> we still have Revelation to look forward to. Oh, okay, okay. But but that wasn't towards Peter. No, that that's a ways away. <laughs> and again, if you know who he is, you yep. know that he is very patient. Yes. And uh, he's giving you a lot of time to repent. <laughs> yeah, and, dude, and that, that is so true. And that's why it's so important for us to go off of the Word of God and not off of our own presuppositions, our own biases, our own uh, incorrect theology or doctrine that has been taught down, has been passed down. Man, you got to go in the Word of God, because if what you are receiving through teaching is contrary to His Word— and you gotta you gotta realign yourself. You gotta change the way that you think. Romans twelve one and two. You gotta you gotta renew that mind, and you need to take His truth of what the Spirit is really trying to tell you, and understand that God does have a purpose for you. He has a a divine love to display upon you, man. I'm I'm telling you, robes, rings, sandals, love, kiss on the neck, man. Restoration, a party, slaughtering the fat of calf, like it. We've all been there, and we've all seen that. And when you come into salvation, that is literally that is what it is like. You are now a new creation in Christ. The old things that you've done, the old past has gone away with. Now you're walking in that newness of life. And also, you know, this is a good spot for, uh, um, I guess, uh, retrospections for those that have been in the church for a long time and say you've been walking with Christ, you've been in that religious uh, vein and circle, but you've always viewed God as a wrathful, angry God, and and you need to realize, too, it's been there the whole time. You can step into it. You can step into that intimate relationship with God. Yeah. Well, even if you've been in the church serving, serving, yeah. serving, serving, mm-hmm. well, the Son was there doing, doing, doing. Yeah. So have you taken the opportunity to be proactive, to actually, you know, like what I did with my parents, you, you seek you you try to pursue, you find, you discover. God, I want to know you more. Yeah. Well, we pray this episode has encouraged you, it has uplifted you, and like always, have a phenomenal day. Thank you so much for joining in today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Caleb Perkins Ministries, please go to www.calebperkinsministries.com.